Welcome to episode number three of The Injured Brain, a podcast about navigating life after a brain injury. I'm your host, Jim Giordano. And I'm your co-host, Joe Giordano. We are recording this episode on April 25th, 2020, and there's been a little bit of a gap in the time since we recorded the second episode, and the main reason is comes down to one thing, COVID-19. We are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we had originally planned for the topic of this third podcast to be famous people you might not have known who were brain injury survivors, but we'll hold that one for another time and instead talk about the thing that's dominating our lives at the moment. So, Joe, it's been really, I think, been about a month now since the proverbial poo hit the fan in the United States, at least. And we started to, you know, shelter inside and really kind of realize how serious this whole pandemic was. How have you been handling it so far? I feel like it's a bit of a mixed bag. There are some parts of living in quarantine that are that are a struggle such as not being able to maybe buy the things that we're used to buying in terms of toilet paper, although thankfully I was a toilet paper hoarder. Um, And I think that on the other side, there are also some benefits of it. Granted, we have not had any family member who has been affected by the illness directly, but there are some things that are beneficial, such as you are now working at home and that is something that that adds a richness to my life for sure. So, like I said, it feels like a mixed bag. Yeah, it's interesting to think about kind of the evolution. It's like there was time before the pandemic and then there was pandemic time. And it seems to me in some ways like time has almost slowed down or, well, slowed down or sped up. I'm not sure. You know, it's like the last month, like so much seems like it happened since in the last three and a half, four weeks since I... You know, my company made the decision for us to go shelter, you know, work at home. And then the governor of Arizona said, okay, we're going to shelter at home. And that's through the end of April. And things almost change, it seems like, kind of daily to me. Right. And in some ways, it seems like we've been living like this forever. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. It's like sometimes it's like things are changing rapidly. And especially at first, they felt like they were changing rapidly. But then now it feels like, yeah, this this few weeks that we've been in this situation feels like a lot longer than the few weeks that we've been in the situation. Right. One of the things that I know you pointed out to me was what people are dealing with right now is isolation, right? And it's it's kind of mandated or, or encouraged like social isolation. And for a lot of people, that's new. But one of the things you pointed out to me is that for for yourself and for a lot of brain injury survivors, there oftentimes tends to not be a lot of social interaction, right? And so social isolation is not necessarily something that's dramatically new for brain injury survivors. Exactly. It's definitely par for the course with a brain injury in a lot of ways because of the the losses of relationships in terms of your professional relationships and some of your personal relationships. They they just change. Some of them uh, really just disappear. And then the ones that do stay those relationships change in nature. And yeah, I feel like my, you know, since my injury, it's been, it's been like Olympic training for, for coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. I, I, yeah, there's, there's things about the brain injury experience that have uniquely prepared people with brain injury to be in this place. Yeah. 
I mean, there are all kinds of other survivors who are out there who still happen to have jobs and are able to work and get out. But there's other survivors who, you know, tend to be a lot more isolated. And like you say, for the survivors that are in that situation, um, you know, it may not feel like a whole lot has changed in terms of their day-to-day life. Right. One of the things, um, you know, when, when this situation about a month ago, we started, you know, when, when this really pandemic really became a big deal in the U.S., I know we were kind of binge watching the news, right? We were watching almost every day and there was For this sure. des- desire to kind of sit there in front of the television and I think it was it was it was a feeling of of control. You wanted to feel like you had some sense of control in a situation that feels a little out of control in in a larger sense and so having the knowledge that that you feel like, you know, will help you to be more prepared is a, is a a condition of feeling control and so i think that that's definitely that was our motivation for yeah absolutely you want to you want to feel like you know what's going on and you know what's coming and so it's like we sat there glued to the tv but over the last i think three or four weeks that's slowly started to change and i think we're at a point now where you know we've evolved from binge watching the news to taking a more measured approach and i mean you mentioned to me today that you know you said i think i'd like to start you know, on Saturdays, just declaring a uh, COVID-19 news hiatus and just not even tu- turning on the television. Right. And that's, that's, it's, oh, I, I mean, it's, it's mid-afternoon. I haven't checked the news today. I don't know what's going on with the pandemic. I, you know, who knows, the Grim Reaper could be knocking at the door, but oh, I'm not aware of it. And it feels kind of nice to just give yourself a break from just the heavy, you know, weight of just what's going on in the world. Just, yeah, one day I'm, today, it's just, it's a nice break. I like it. Yeah, this is an interesting time because it it, we're definitely in something that feels, that has, feels like it's going to have tremendous historical significance, you know, down the road. I mean, I, I compared this to, uh, you know, the Great Depression or, you know, some of the stuff that your parents, who are older than my parents even, discussed, you know, living through World War One or World War Two. I mean, this feels like the kind of thing that's going to have, uh, you know, that kind of pages in a history book. Definitely. And it's changing. It's changing the world. It's changing our culture. And I hear people talk about when we go back to normal, there is no going back to normal. It's only moving forward with what we know now. And yeah, trying to, I mean, I know that we'll want to try to create a semblance of normalcy for sure, but there it there's there's no going back to the way things used to be right well so we thought today when we, we what we would do is just spend a few minutes talking about kind of some coping strategies uh, for folks who are in the midst of this and struggling through, through this and trying to keep a positive attitude and trying to uh, kind of survive this pandemic along with all the rest of us and so you had mentioned um, I mean there were some things that we were doing ourselves that we just have chosen to do like starting the day with gratitude lists and so right. forth, right? Which is a brief practice of just three items that we each tell each other. What's on your gratitude list today? Very simple things. A lot, um, you know. Often I'm thankful for water or air conditioning or electricity. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to just set yourself up in a positive frame of mind to keep going forward with the day. Right. Yeah. And and so I think you had shared with me an article f- that I had, well, 25 strategies for coping. What's the title of the it's article? The, I, the, the article is titled Mental Health and Wellness Tips in Quarantine. 
Okay. And so, do you want me to explain some of the things that are on the list? Well, yeah. So I was thinking that, um, you know, it was interesting because you shared it with me, and this was by a psychologist or something, right? He mm-hmm. says she's been seeing a lot of people, and of course, all these counselors. I mean, a lot of the discussion these days is <laughs> this pandemic and how it's impacting people's lives and the anxiety it's causing. And so, this person shared uh, this article of like these twenty-five tips on on coping during this stressful time, but. So the interesting thing about it, though, that, that you and I were talking about earlier is, I mean, these are useful tips for anybody that survived this pandemic, but we, we both kind of realized that for brain injury survivors who are on the, or tend to be isolated more often anyway, these are tips that are help, could be helpful yeah, I think just they're to really, surviving. They're universally applicable to really almost anyone, yeah. I feel like, in any life situation, right. personally. Right, yeah. So we were thinking it'd be good to share a few of these. We're not going to go through the whole list of 25, but what are some of the ones, Joe, that called to you when you... Well, the first one is stick to a routine. I think that that's important, and and I laugh at that because that's a struggle as a person with a brain injury when you don't have the responsibilities that you used to have and you have the free time that you often do after uh, an injury. it's, It's important to not put yourself in a locked schedule, but to have some guidance to yourself so that you don't realize that at two in the afternoon, you're looking at the clock and have laid on the couch and not done anything. It's important to go to sleep on time and wake up at a regular time and and have a, a schedule. I have a whiteboard, which I keep for myself during the day, and I don't make it very difficult, but I set a few goals for myself. The first thing that I always start with in the morning is meditation. And I, my goal is to start and do that first thing before my mind gets clouded with just the world. And so, so the meditation is a first, is a, is an important part of my day. And and I also work in things like walking and, and things like that. But, but sticking to a routine is is crucial for for helping yourself feel like there's a little bit of order in the world. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice, but it's also, I think, one of the more challenging things so far. Right. Maybe that's why it's number one on the list. I think it is why number <laughs> because it is so important. But you know, we both have this tendency to, you know, on the weekends, whatever, just not have a real routine because we're, we feel like we're in this kind of sense of limbo a little bit, right? And hello, even not on the weekends in the way things are now, it, right. it feels a little bit like it's, it's, it's Halloween every day or it's Christmas or it's prom or it's some, it just has some type of quality that is not the way things usually feel. And so it's really a challenge in that situation to say, okay, even though it feels like it's pure craziness. It's going to really help me to wake up at a certain time every day and keep a routine like a shower right after I, you know, get out of bed or things like that. Yeah, because it's, it, it, every day is, does feel a little bit like Groundhog Day. It's kind of like turn on the TV, hear about the coronavirus cases. What have the numbers risen to? What are the fatalities? Right. What has the president said? You know, and it, so every day is starting to feel a little bit like Groundhog's Day. Get in, walk into my new now home office, you know, start the work day. Video That's a tip to our favorite movie, Groundhog Day, by the way, with Bill Murray and Andy McDowell. If you have not seen it, you should get it. It's great. Yeah, that's a that's a good piece of humor, humorous uh, <laughs> movie to watch while we have all this time on our hands. 
Um, but yeah, and so there, for me, there's there's a lot of inclination to get up and not worry about showering, and you know, it's like all I don't have to go to the office like I normally do, and so it's like I'm getting better now, and I think that you're right. This idea of having a routine is important. You know, get up, take a shower, shave a couple times a week. <laughs> I think that's important. All right, number two on the list is dress for the social life you want. This made me snicker a little bit. Not for the social life you have. Get showered, dressed in comfortable clothes, wash your face, brush your teeth. I even, for this podcast today, I put on earrings. And that made me feel like a princess because I haven't been taking that extra step to do that small thing and just as, uh, getting dressed for as if you were going to maybe go to the store or spend time with friends it helps you to just feel like you're in a place where you are going to be doing those things I am keeping a routine for myself during the day I'm trying to accomplish some things and it's more productive and it's more helpful for me psychologically if I'm not in my pajamas at two in the afternoon. It's better to get some clothes on and brush your teeth and right. yeah, yeah. And there's been lots of jokes. I've seen a lot of these uh, memes and the you know the the quarantine memes and I, I was reading saw one this morning that said something about at nine p.m. it's time to go take off your daytime pajamas and change your nighttime pajamas. <laughs> Like we're all living in pajamas and sweatpants these days. A little too much. Yeah. All right, number three on the list is get at least once a day for 30 minutes. Get out. Go outside if you can. Into your yard if you feel self-conscious or worried about being exposed to other people and you don't have the means to necessarily be outside on a long walk then being just in your yard is restorative. And that's something that's so important for feeling better. I love to be outside. Mm -hmm. And then on, on the list, number four is get some time to move each day. And if you're outside, you can combine those two together. We like to go for walks in the morning. And since we live in Arizona, that means early morning walks now that it's getting warmer. But Moving each day for 30 minutes is so good for your brain, good for your soul, good for your body. It's just good all around. Yeah, I think this whole quarantine and pandemic thing, the, my inclination has been to almost just in some ways be, be a bit frozen. So just getting out with the intention that we're just going to walk slowly with the dog or it really helps to kind of get to get out of that rut. It definitely does. And then... Number five on this list says reach out to others. Even if it's for 30 minutes a day, if you have a conversation with someone, we have been able to reach out to our sons who live in different parts of the country. And we have had FaceTime conversations with them and phone conversations. Those are, those are priceless moments that help us feel connected to the world and help us to get our mind off of worrying about what's going on in terms of a, a worldwide pandemic. Yeah, and I think from a lot of what I'm hearing, even with discussions with my coworkers and others, is this is in some ways forcing family members and extended family to kind of reconnect in ways that maybe they haven't. So that's one, of, I think, one of the bright sides that comes out of this. I know there are people that are, coworkers I have, for example, that are having game nights like we've done. We've right. done we've done a little bit of a couple of remote game nights with our family members over Skype or, you know, video chat. And I've heard some others that are doing that kind of thing. So they're they're playing with 
you know, having video chats with grandparents and they're, and I think a lot of times people would even rely on a phone call and now there's this desire to see people's faces. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think there's, there's more of that video stuff going on with people that are distant. And I think that's a great thing. That's That's what I was talking about with it being a mixed bag. That is, I mean, that in and of itself, communicating with people in different ways and honestly, it happens more. It, it happens more often that people are communicating in these different ways. That's an expansion of consciousness during this time that helps people to say, "Oh, I I don't have to be in the same town to maintain my relationship with this family member. We can reach out to each other in different ways." All right, number six on the list is stay hydrated and eat well. Once again a pointer that you hope that you follow every day of your life on this planet, but that's not always the case. Maintaining good eating habits, eating foods that have good nutrition, good vitamins, good minerals, good fiber, good protein, and drinking plenty of water is something that's going to help with your mental health as well. So if you have your body fueled correctly, That's going to be a large part of the battle towards feeling good. The last thing that I want to mention on the list is to develop a self-care toolkit. And Jim and I were talking about that earlier. He said, what is that? A self-care toolkit is a collection of items that you can keep handy to help yourself feel better when your anxiety levels rise. And a self-care care toolkit touches on the seven senses touch sight sound smell and two that you may not be aware of vestibular which talks about movement and proprioceptive which is a weighted type of comfort i want to give you some examples of my self-care toolkit that i keep handy when it comes to touch I have a soft blanket that I like to keep handy. It's often on the couch. I like to cuddle up with it. It makes me feel much more comforted. I also like to stick my fingers into the fountain that I have in our yard, and I like to just feel that cool water on my hands. It's really nice. And when it comes to sight, I love being outside, looking at nature, looking at trees, the sky. That's a very calming feeling for me. And I love listening also to the sound of the fountain. And music is a very important part of, of my survival as a, as a brain injury survivor. I use music in a lot of different ways at a lot of points. And when it comes to smell, I love the smell of incense, especially Nag Champa. That's kind of our brand that we have always around our house. And when it comes to the vestibular portion of comfort in a, in a self-comfort kit. I love a rocking chair that I have outside and that, that, that repetitive rocking motion is very comforting to me, especially since in my childhood we had rocking chairs in my house and so I have great associations with it. And, and for the proprioceptive, a weighted blanket might be something that you could use to help yourself feel comforted. I know that there are people who love that feeling of a heavy weighted blanket on them that, that kind of just dampens out those, those feelings of anxiety. And, and taste is another of the senses as well. And we have definitely uh, 
taken advantage of of some baking in the last few weeks. Yeah, we've definitely been doing a little bit of uh, pandemic stress baking, I would say. <laughs> That's accurate. I think this is a good place to end this one. Uh, stay safe and healthy. And if you happen to be listening to this episode while still in quarantine, remember these words from Winnie the Pooh, who said, If the person you are talking to doesn't appear to be listening, be patient. It may simply be that he has a small piece of fluff in his ears. Oh, that explains some things. It's fluff, is it? Yeah, yeah baby. I got lots of fluff. Good to know. Our theme music is courtesy of Free Music Archive. The song is called Brain from the album Not My Brain by Lobo Loco. Until next time, survivors and caregivers, remember to love yourself first, to be patient with each other, and to reach out to others for support. You are not alone. Thanks for listening.